to another edition of On the Road with the Legal Talk Network. I'm Patrick Pallas, and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded from the National Conference of Bar Presidents and the National Association of Bar Executives virtual mid-year in 2021. Uh, joining me, we have two amazing guests. I have Logan Coronet and Nabby, the National Association of Bar Executives President. Terry Hill, welcome both of you to the show. Glad to be Thank here. You. Before we get started, if I could ask each of you just to tell us a little bit uh, about yourselves, where you work, maybe a little bit of history. Logan, can I start with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am the Director of Research at IELTS, which is the Institute for the Advancement of the American Legal System. Uh, we are a national independent research organization that's aimed at forging innovative solutions to problems in the legal system. Uh, I've been there for almost 10 years now, um, and I feel like I should add that I am uh, not a lawyer. I'm a methodologist who, you know, I've worked on a number of projects and a number of issues in civil and family law, uh, as well as issues in legal education, legal profession, and access to justice. Well, I, we're very glad to have you. And President Terry Hill, tell us a little about yourself. Thank you. I'm Terry Hill, Division Director of Programs here at the Florida Bar in Tallahassee, Florida. We are a 108,000 plus member unified bar. I've been here for 15 years. I oversee several of the business unit departments of the bar, from legal publications and meetings and conventions to CLE and section membership um, and love data and love all the information that we use it for. Well, welcome both of you. I'm glad that you could join us in the show. We're going to talk about data. I know, I know data. It sounds a little nerdy. Maybe it sounds a little boring, but it's not. And, and the reason we're going to talk about data is because we're going to talk about how it can help us measure and create success for our bar, for our business, our organization, for our leadership role, if we're a bar president or, or, or a leader in other ways. So we just finished presenting to uh, a host of national bar leaders from coast to coast at the National Conference of bar presidents and, and Nabby at their mid-year, and both of you did an amazing presentation. And I wanted a chance to be able to deep dive just a little bit more with both of you about these topics that you brought up. And Logan, let me start with you. Um, so many people use the name or the word data or data metrics or KPIs or whatever. There's a lot of scary terms out there that if you're a lawyer or uh, a bar leader, maybe these terms make you say, hey, this this podcast is not for me. Why is this for them? What do those things mean? I mean, I think that, um, you know, the idea of numbers and data can be intimidating because, um, you know, you think you're going to have to run maybe complicated statistics or you have to know a lot of formulas to, um, to really be able to use that information in a meaningful way. But the reality is, is that that's not really the case, right? You can, you can accomplish the vast majority of, of what you want to know by just pulling information from an existing database and running some, some quick formulas in Excel, right? Maybe create a graph or two. So I think that um, while I understand the trepidation, uh, I think we've, we've really got to embrace uh, data here because, you know, uh, the world is moving in that direction and we in the legal field don't want to be left behind. You know, I think about all the, the uh, companies that have built their success off data. 
uh, or data, tomato, tomato, right? Um, look at Amazon. I mean, Amazon is built on a mountain of data and, and Microsoft and, and Uber, knowing who your consumer is, what they do, what they spend, how they, what they like, what they do, right? I mean, this is really a data-driven world that we're in today, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Is there any reason that, that bar leaders shouldn't be knee-deep in collecting data so they can offer better services, better programs, better projects, more success? Certainly not from my perspective. <laughs> well, I think Terry probably has a lot of insight on that one. So let me just let me say this to you, and I'm going to ask Terry a, a little bit about the Florida Bar. Um, in my office, I collect data on everything. And, and, and frankly, I, I don't even know what to do with a lot of this data. It's not till someone asks a question, we're like, hey, you know what? I think we have some data on that. And so for, for me and my firm, it's maybe just collecting everything and then sorting through it to see what we might need later. But from your point of view, as a, you know, someone does data research and works for, for IELTS, how is it you're deciding what data you need and what data you don't need to be successful? Yeah, I, that's a that's a really great point. And I actually, you know, that to me kind of goes to your first question too, right? Like we collect so much data and then sifting through all of it is part of maybe what becomes intimidating. But I think the key really is to start with your questions, right? Start with, you know, thinking through what it is that you really want to know at the end of your data collection phase, once you've analyzed all of your data, you know, and then that is really going to guide you down a... Um, a well-reasoned path of data collection and data analysis so that you don't actually find yourself overwhelmed and lost. I heard both of you uh, mention in, when we talked earlier that defining what you want as an outcome, what it is you're going after is really critical. Terry, as a, as a, as a bar executive, I mean, you got a million programs, uh, you got millions of dollars of revenue, uh, you got hundreds of employees, uh, where do you start with deciding what data to use and what's important? I think first you have to figure out why you're measuring it. You know, what, what do we want to measure? But also, why do we want to measure it? What's the, what's the end result? You know, what's the outcome we're looking for here as, as to why, we're, we, why we want to you know, look at this information? Are we looking to start a new program? Are we looking to discontinue an existing program? Sometimes someone will come in and say, you know, I don't think this program is working or I don't think this is a good idea or we probably need to look at whether we should continue this. And, and my usual question is, is, well, what's the data? You know, have we run a report? And a lot of times they'll come back and say, never mind. The, the data spoke for itself. We need to continue this program. Oh, we really do need to evaluate whether we need to discontinue the program. So we really need to figure, look at those things because the data is what we use as one piece of the, of the information. There's a lot of non-numerical data we look at too, but we really want to hone in to figure out what do we want to do with this data? What are we trying to achieve? And then use that data to work toward that result. If you're starting a new program or a new service, how important is it to you know, to create standards or determine what your outcomes are before you begin. I mean, I feel like in the days of old, that was never really a question. Like, what we want is um, everyone liking this program. Uh, and, and now it's a different, different equation. How do you choose the, the outcomes and how do you standardize so that when you get all the data, you know whether you've succeeded or failed? Well, if you're looking at starting a new program, I think it's important to, to do a couple of things. One is I think you need to, 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 real, to analyze to see, you know, what is the 
the communication piece of this? What's the education awareness piece so that anyone knows the program exists? Because you can't launch it on day one and think that everyone's going to know about it and then track success from there. You really set yourself up for failure if you're doing that. I think you have to, to, to establish where that communication period is, three months, six months, nine months, a year, depending on what the project is, and then track out, benchmark, okay, this is where we're at now. The program doesn't exist, we're at zero. Then look out to say, we expect to be, in one year, we want to be here. In three years, we want to be here. Or three months, six months, whatever. It depends on what you're measuring. But And set yourself up for success by saying, if the program hits this number of participants or volunteers or calls or resources or outreach, this is success. Um, and then you evaluate when you get to that point. Oh, we're three shy or we're 300 shy or we're 7,000 shy. You look at where you're at and then you have to know what the goal, what, what success is determined in. Otherwise, somebody down the road is going to come back and say, is this program working? And you really can't answer yes or no, whether there's three participants or 300 participants, because no one ever defined what success was supposed to look like. You know, Logan, so much of the time, I think lawyers identify uh, data with, with dollars. Was my firm successful? Yes, I made money in my tax return at the end of the year. That's my data. I made, <laughs> I made profit, so I'm good. But there's so much that we as lawyers offer to people that is uh, less tangible. It's the quality of service. It's giving someone who doesn't have access, access. Talk to me a little bit about how you collect data where the outcome is not measured in dollars? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, I certainly love the idea of moving beyond just looking at dollars to equate to success. So, you know, I think, I think there are a lot of potential answer, answers to that question, actually. Um, and it, and it, again, it really depends on what the program is and what you're trying to measure. But some, you know, examples are you might you know, if you're, like you say, looking at quality of a program, uh, you might do a survey to see how people who are using that program are experiencing the survey. You might uh, collect some qualitative data, do some interviews or some focus group to really understand uh, people's perspectives and take a really deep dive into how people are experiencing those things. Um, and there, like I said, there really are just a whole bunch of different ways to get at the answer to your question. It just depends on what your question is. You know, I have a short story that maybe illustrates some of that. In, in Washington, we created the Triple LT, and we didn't make a component of that new program how many people were helped, uh, how many people got a remedy they wouldn't have got otherwise, right, or got lawyers that wouldn't have had... Uh, and, and the people that created it, and I was on the bar when it was when it was implemented by the Supreme Court, we thought the goodwill that it created and the help was enough. Well, you move forward a few years and the new leadership says, nope, our new outcome is, did it make us money? This access to justice program didn't make us money, so we're killing it because that's our new measurement. And I guess it, it leads to the question, how critical is it, maybe Terry, you touched on this, that before a program begins, everyone's on the same page, you have the same standards and the same decision of what is good and what is failure. You said something there that I really latched onto, and that was yeah. um, collecting uh, data about you know usage of a program, right? And I think there is so much opportunity in that, right? Not just collecting the number of people, but what other information is possible to collect about those groups of people, right? Is it 
income information, age information? Is it um, other demographic information like race, race or ethnicity? So that you can really understand which uh, populations that you're um, effectively targeting and where you can improve on those things, right? And, and, and that um, maybe in addition to the financial piece is going to give you so much information about um, how you're performing, but also where you might be able to improve. I'm so glad you brought that that up. Terry, that diversity piece is huge, isn't it? For bars, for organizations, for businesses. Uh, in my firm, we say you can't represent anyone until you can represent everyone. You have to have the diversity in the office to be able to speak to the community. Same is true for bars. Tell me about the metrics of diversity and, and how bars can use uh, data to, to drive and grow diversity within their ranks. Certainly, one of the things that, that we've done over the years, and, and I don't want to claim that we perfected it, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process. But I think that, you know, you track where we're at, you know, you look at the trends and you say, okay, we know that the, the bar membership is made up of this, these diverse populations. And it could be gender, ethnicity, a variety of other different things that we track on, on diversity. You look at those things and then you measure it against other things that we're measuring. We're measuring against membership in sections. So in, is the section membership percentages and gender and diversity, is it similar to or substantially similar to the bar membership numbers? Sim likewise with CLE presenters, when when we're, when panelists and faculty are, are selected and presenting CLEs, does the percentage of makeup of those faculty, of the faculty members for those CLE programs, is it representative of the overall bar membership percentage-wise? We've really tried to, to track that and level it out and, and, and actively encourage and actually put on programming, encouraging more diverse speakers to get trained as, as speakers and presenters. Um, we did that at our last year's annual convention. It was a huge success, but it, it, it takes a concerted effort to once you realize what the data tells you, then that's the trigger point to say, okay, this is, this is the, we have to build a plan on how to address it. You know, I think a lot of people get a little scared and think about how do I create data? Where do I get this data? How do I organize this data? But I think of this concept of being able to go to the data store, loading up your shopping cart full of data and bringing it back to your office so you can use it. Uh, and maybe it's not quite that simple, but you don't have to create everything that you want to use, do you? Most of this information is readily available. N not always. Not, you know, there's more data available at your bar associations than what you might realize. And whether it be association management systems, whether it be sales reports, whether it be finance and accounting reports, whether it be learning management systems, member usage reports, there is no shortage of data. It's just asking about it, letting someone know you're interested in it. And, and a lot of times with a few hits of a few buttons, a report can be run and e emailed to you or, or, or provided to you. And that the information is there. What information is not there? It's it's not difficult to begin tracking. Now, again, if you don't currently have it, you're not going to be able to look at the last three years, but you can certainly prospectively start looking and planning for the next three. I'm wondering, and this is to, to both of you, what kind of advice uh, might you give to a bar leader or a, a lawyer running his own firm about the types of software? I mean, how, how do we collect and organize this? What tools do we have uh, to use that maybe are, are off the shelf? Uh, out-of-the-box kind of data aggregation tools? So I can take the first swing at this one. I mean, I think as, um, as Terry mentioned a moment ago, you know, if you're using some sort of a, a database that's already in place that you're using to track information, a lot of times you can just pull a report or a combination of reports and, and drop them into Excel and then run a few formulas. And that's probably going to get you where you want to be. I mean, certainly there are 
you know, more sophisticated software options out there, but I don't even want to talk about those lest I scare people away, right? Excel is going to get you most of what you want. And I would say the same thing is, you know, so many of our, you know, if you look at the NABI and NCBP sponsors and partners, there are members amongst those who are in this space who do, who do association management, learning management, that, that's all good. We, we partner with several of those. I can tell you that Excel is what I use. I'm a data junkie. I love data. I, not because I love numbers. I don't love numbers. I love members and I love sales and I love lawyer referral service and I love, you know, free pro bono answers. I like that. I like the information that's collected as part of that data. So, so when I'm looking at that, I track it all in spreadsheet. And generally when a report is available in some other, you know, management reporter, I will export it to an Excel spreadsheet just because it's easier for me to work with. You know, I'm also thinking of things like that are at everybody's fingertips, like QuickBooks. Uh, you can, you can run all kinds of filters for things and, and run charts. Uh, Google has an array of things like Google Sheets where you can run bar charts or circular charts or anything to look at your data, right? So I guess the the point is there's a lot out that people can choose from without having to spend a lot of money or be data scientists like you, Logan, right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. It doesn't, it certainly doesn't have to be an expensive proposition. So I I want you to imagine there are a combination of both uh, bar leaders, Terry, maybe bar executives, that are listening to you today, uh, lawyers who are running uh, law firms simply want to know more about uh, data. And I'm wondering what kind of advice you might give them. They, you know, uh, imagine that someone wants to do a project for their firm or wants to do a project for their, for their bar. And they're just thinking, where do we start? Where does data come into my dreams of making this come to life? What kind of advice uh, Terry, I'll start with you. What kind of advice might you uh, might you give them? I think there's two pieces of advice. One, I think I'd find out what information is already currently available. And two, I, I would look at, there, there's so many resources out there with a simple Google search and, and don't let the words key performance indicators scare you. But if you do a Google search <laughs> of key performance indicators, there is so much information. And so, and literally when I first started looking at this probably 15 years ago, um, is I really kind of looked at other presentations and I learned from other presentations that were already out there in a available on KPIs and metrics and data and how to use that information. Um, So I would say just, you know, learn as much as you can to be dangerous, but you you know, you don't want to be an expert. I don't consider myself an expert in data and all things, you know, you know, with, with KPIs and tracking, I know what I need to do to do my job and and that I can make my executive director, Josh Dole happy. Um, So I make sure that we're doing what we need to do to, to check the mark. So across the departments that I service here at the Florida bar. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Logan, I'm giving you a last word, advice for the person with the concept, idea, project, thing to make life better, new access to justice tool, whatever it is. What kind of advice do you have for them from your perspective? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think everything Terry said is great. And just to, to build on that a little bit, I would say to just Take the time and and educate yourself just a little bit, just enough, right? So that you know what you need to do, you know um, how to develop your questions and how to get the data that you need to answer those questions. And really, I think if I had it my way, also proselytize for data once you see how great it is and how great it can be for you. Yeah, share data with your friends, democratize it all. We can all get better together, right? Yeah, great, great ideas. Well, we've reached the end of the road, sadly, for this episode, but I want to thank our guests, Logan Cornett and NABI President Terry Hill for joining us today. And thank you listeners for tuning in. 
If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with the Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.